You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Last night, I'm going to minister on the fivefold ministry. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up. And then we've got some other things that we're going to move on into. But I love, I love ministering on this, and I could go for four more weeks. But I'm going to pull things uh, together and really uh, just really uh, close this up tonight. And then, like I said, we're going to move on. And uh, so I've had these slides that we've been working from just to kind of get a maybe just a little bit of a picture of what five-fold ministry, a descriptive pictures of what five-fold ministry can look like. You won't find these pictures in the Bible. Uh, they're not in the maps or anything like that. There's no, they're nowhere to be found. But these are things from the scriptures that have just come to my mind to be able to help maybe draw a little bit of conclusion or, you know, give a picture of what the five-fold ministry looks like. And when we're talking about five-fold ministry, we're talking about the office of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And one of the reasons I love to minister on this, I'll say two main reasons. One is, is that the church as a whole has just really been in darkness about this for a long time. And I know I was, and so I loved it when the Lord began to reveal things to me. But also, I believe the church needs all five of these. And so a lot of the questions I get concerning, concerning this is like, well, how does this work? Because I agree, we need all five of those. We need the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And uh, so let's, you know, how does it work? Let's get them going. Sometimes people will be like, where are they? Let's point them out. The thing is, is that when you talk about those five ministry offices, uh, those are not things that it's not like you can appoint someone that would do some cleaning or, you know, help with the, the parking lot ministry or cleaning, uh, not to diminish that or and not to raise the other thing up too high. But those are things that God calls and appoints and anoints people to do those things. Men can identify it, recognize it, but God has to be the one to do that. But I do believe that every single local body should have fivefold influence in it. I think the idea is to have all five of those offices in a local body functioning. But when you deal with smaller churches, uh, a lot of times you won't have those, those five, all five of those in there. Uh, every senior leader of a congregation, and I wouldn't say that only a senior leader of a congregation, that they could only be a pastor or only be an apostle or only be whatever. I, I think they could be any of them, but a senior leader of a congregation must be in the fivefold ministry in my estimation. Because when you're talking about leading a vision and moving forward and dealing with the souls of the people, there is an anointing and an unction that comes from God that if it's not on a person like that, they won't be able to lead the people where God wants them to be. And so what I've found is that all the fivefold ministry offices, uh, and the primary place we pull this from is Ephesians chapter 4, where it says that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And um, what, I've, what I've found for, I forgot where I was going with that. Let's pull the slides up and it'll come back to me. Uh, so let's go pull the slides and we're going to run through the first uh, few slides really, really quickly here. So uh, we've talked about all of this. Uh, and we're not going to go back into it, but we've just used the analogy of a hand uh, to describe these five. Let's go to the next slide. 
And I'm going to have to keep just moving forward because I've already gone, gone over all this. Let's go to the next slide. I think probably two more. Go to the next one. So this is one that I haven't uh, really talked about a lot in particular, but I'm going to uh, just briefly mention here. And so one of the ways that the, the fivefold ministry can look like is, you know, the goal is, and Jesus even said, you know, um, or I'll say more than he said, you know, he, he had disciples, but those disciples became uh, apostles. And it wasn't just like, well, let's just call them something different. There was a, there was a meaning or reasoning behind calling them apostles because they went from just being learned ones, which is a disciple. They went from ones that were just learning from Jesus to ones that took what he, uh, what he taught them, what they learned it, and they went and did something with it. And that's why he called them apostles because what goes first is the apostles. And we find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, that first apostles, and that means first in rank or first in order. So it can look like this, or it can look like this. So everybody look up, up here at me. It can look like this, or it can look like this. Both are true. And this is what this is talking about. And I think the ideal thing, I don't think it has to be this way, but the ideal thing is that if you have new territory being taken, if you have a new church that's being planted, if you have a new work that's being done, at the very, it should probably ideally have an apostle that would lead that, but at the very least, it needs an apostolic thrust, because what the apostle does, or what the apostolic anointing does, is it moves forward, it presses forward, and it's got a breaker anointing on it. So just like you would have uh, an arrow that would be shot somewhere, the tip of that arrow is what causes things to break, and then everything else can go into that area like it needs to go in. And so the apostle, the, specifically the apostle and the prophet working together, um, have an anointing to go in. They have a breaker anointing to go in and break things open in areas and regions and churches and different forms of ministry, even in government, even in uh, school systems and the different uh, spheres of influence that we can find ourselves in. That apostolic prophetic anointing is what will cause things to break open. And whenever you have, um, whenever you get rid of the apostolic and the prophetic or the apostle and the prophet, you lose the primary source or the primary funnel, because Jesus is the source, it's no man and it's no gift even that Jesus has given. It comes from Jesus. But as soon as you cut those off, you have lost the funnel for the supernatural ministry in whatever area of ministry you're talking about. Because the apostle and the prophet are primarily focused on heaven. The evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher are mostly focused on what's happening with people. The evangelist with the lost, the teacher, and the pastor usually with the saints. And so we have to have ministry that doesn't, that doesn't step away uh, from the supernatural ministry that God has called it to. God has called the church to be a supernatural church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is my opinion that the church is failing miserably in our culture because it has cut off the ministry of the apostle and the prophet as a whole. And so it's time that uh, daddy takes the wheel and gets things steered in the right direction. There needs to be, and there is a rise of apostolic ministry happening in the church that is not all about this, but is about this, and I'm going to show you in a little bit, also about this. 
Because real true apostles and real true prophets are there to come in and build and lift people up. There is a rise of that kind of ministry that is going to equip the saints in the hour and in the end time church like the church has never experienced before. We need this. And and really, you know, it's interesting because sometimes they'll talk to people about the fivefold and they're like, oh, well, I just, you know, we, we call our leader a pastor. And it's like, well, whatever. I'm just, look at what I'm talking about here because what's happening in the earth is not working. I'll never say the church is going to lose, but a lot of times it looks like the church is losing. And you know, sometimes what needs to happen in order to start winning when you're in the fight is a shift on the inside. I like those movies where you got the, the, you know, the boxing going on, and you got, you got the good guy that's in there, and he's, and he's boxing, and, and he keeps coming back to the corner, and every, between every round, he's all tore up. We've seen this, right? And he gets worse and worse every round, and um, finally, he, he sits down and loses his arrogance, and his trainer's able to say to him, uh, you need to stop messing around, and you need to do X, Y, Z. And it's, okay, coach, you're okay, trainer, or whatever. And uh, Adrian, you know, Rocky, that's what I think of as boxing. Anyways, it's rabbit. Um, and so then he goes back in, and he beats the guy up and wins. There's like 17 movies with the exact same scenario. You know, you know what I'm talking about. The church needs to do the same thing because it's losing. I believe at the end, she's going to stand victorious with Jesus as being more than an overcomer. But we need to come out on this, on top on this thing. And the only way we're going to do things that have God's result is to do it God's way. You, you, can't, you can't have Jesus say, uh, I've given the apostles and I've given prophets, and this is how I want my church to be set up. And then say, awesome, thank you, Jesus, but we really only want to draw from some of the gifts, not all of them. And the things that I'm speaking and ministering to you about the fivefold ministry, I don't know everything about it. I just say, I probably know a drop in the bucket compared to what maybe some people know or what more things that we'll mine out together. But at the very least, we have to be willing to say, you know what? The church is losing the culture war. And honestly, you want, you want to know why? It's because... We're trying, to, we're trying to look like the world, but just a better version. Apostolic ministry says, who cares what the world looks like? Let's look like heaven and affect the world and be a true counterculture to the world. And this is, I'm telling you, this is the exact reason why for, for many years, and I, I love the church. You have to understand that. I love the church. But for so many years, because we've cut off, and I really, I could have labeled this teaching uh, a little bit of fivefold, mostly apostolic, the apostle and prophet, because that's mostly what I've talked about, because that's what we know the least about. But for so many years, it's been those three, the pastor, teacher, and evangelist leading the church. And if you could imagine, I mean, this is how I picture it. You cut off the end of a, of a, of a thing every, try, every time you try to shoot it. It's going to hit, and it's not going to penetrate. And so then what's happening is you have people that are like, let's change the world. We need to reach people for Jesus. And then you, you have these entire, and I'm please understand me. I'm not being critical. I'm just being honest about where we're at. I feel like the trainer in the corner saying, come on, make a change on the inside so you can go out and win this thing because right now you're losing. 
I'm not saying this to you. I'm saying this to everybody, all right? Don't, I get a little bit intense, and I won't even be like, he's yelling at me. I'm yelling at us, actually. <laughs> I'm yelling at all of us. We're all in trouble. Not really, but we are if we don't change. But, you know, if you have just those, those three ministries and you cut off the supernatural and what is meant to bring heaven to earth, you cut that, that off, then you're going to try to move out into the culture and bring a, a, you know, the kingdom advance and the culture shift, and you're not going to have what you need to go out and make the culture, make the change that really needs to be there. And it's because you've cut off, cut off the end of the, the spear. You've cut off the end of the arrow. And so then what happens is they go, well, everything we seem to be doing, it's just, it's not working quite right. So, you know, let's shorten our services uh, to 65 minutes. Let's sing uh, three songs and um, everybody have all of their coffee cups uh, in hand and give them two coffee cups and give them seven shots of mocha. Wear your skinny jeans, have fog machines, uh, sit down when you preach. And, you know, and I'm, I mean, some of those, there, some of that stuff's not evil, but you see this whole shift that's happened and it's out of a lot of it, out of a good heart and desperation to reach the lost. But we bring them into what? We bring them into a natural organization. I don't want a natural organization. God doesn't want a natural organization. He wants a supernatural, on fire, lit on fire by heaven organization. And the only way we can do it is to have God's divine order. First apostles, second prophets, then on down it goes. And when we're going in and we're advancing in the culture to counter the culture, I mean, if we, we have pastors, ministers right now, and they have been for years when they're questioned about very simple, uh, easy, I mean, no-brainers, questions concerning righteous issues, holiness issues, life issues, all of these things. What is the right answer to this preacher? And we've seen all these things on TV. Oh, you know, everyone's just got, just got to def, de, define things for themselves. And, you know, um, everyone's got to find their own path to God. And, you know, and these are people that, that are, are calling themselves shepherds to the church. And they don't even have enough backbone to just tell the truth because they're so worried about losing people. If you got people in, but you're not changing them to look like heaven, what are you changing them to look like? Prophets get the revelation of heaven. They'll get the vision of heaven. They'll get the direction that's heavenly. But apostles, they get it, and they will carry it out. And that's why there's this, this two-team thing. And as a matter of fact, and we're not going to go to any of those verses because I don't have time. So <laughs> go to the next slide. You can go and look those verses up. Go to the next slide. You go to the next slide. And I want, to, I want to show you something here. I want to, I want to hit this uh, for a couple minutes. Actually, we're going to kind of finish on this slide. And I want to show you something here. We're going to look at these three areas concerning the fivefold ministry. But I want to talk about foundation here for a second. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's pull up Ephesians chapter 2. And this is what, this is what apostolic and prophetic ministry is supposed to look like, or at least a, a glimpse of it. And so, hallelujah, and here is, here is these are the words uh, that are in the Bible. And I want to say something that I, the Lord 
when he started to reveal this to me, because I had, I had different things come to me about the Lord was trying to get my attention about apostles and prophets and, and what it was supposed to look like in the church. And I still don't, I still don't have it all figured out. I, I don't completely understand and know all of the flow. And here's the thing you need to understand about Scripture. This is really important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gonna help you here. Are you ready? The New Testament is full of truths and principles It's not necessarily a step-by-step process. On principle and in truth, apostles and prophets lead the church with the other three offices and then all of the other things you could say about how the church is supposed to be governed. But you can't find a book in the New Testament that says, here is how how it, it, it operates. Here is what it looks like. A lot of that varies from with culturally with people. It, it varies uh, with, you know, within a, a family, how they might flow together that could be leading a church. I mean, there could be so many dynamics involved. And the Lord, he doesn't really care so much about all of those particular di- dynamics so long as it's being done in order. Does that make sense? So there's principles that are there to guide us. There's wisdom that's there to guide us. And so we just need to shoot towards that and the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom on the particulars. Because for a long time, I kept... I kept trying to figure out, okay, well, how? tell me exactly how this goes. Who's supposed to be speaking, and then who speaks next, and then what person does the counseling, and, you know, who is, I, I, don't, I don't really have an answer for all that. And when I lost my train of thought earlier, and I knew I would remember, is that when you're looking at these five gifts, all of them have an aspect of shepherding to them, and even all of them have different levels of, of shepherding within them. And the reason we know this is we're not going to go there, but let me just quote it. In Acts chapter 20, Paul had the first minister's conference, and he called the leaders from Ephesus to a town called Miletus. And it was about 30 miles away, and it was the first minister's conference. And if you ever want to know why ministers go away to conferences, is because you got to just get away from, from it sometimes and just spend time focusing on, on taking heed to yourself so you're ready to go back and give to the flock. And so all these these leaders, these elders had to travel 30 miles, which maybe took them a couple days or, you know, whatever it took them to get there. And uh, so anyways, they come to this town called Miletus, and, uh, and Paul begins to speak to them. And he said, and he called them elders that shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And now Ephesus, historically, what we understand is that it was a very large church. There were multiple elders and I would say those elders were probably five-fold ministers. And you could imagine that there were different five-fold ministries. They weren't all apostles. They weren't all pastors. They weren't all just teachers. There was a mix of them that were there. But he said that they shepherd the church of God. All of this five-fold ministry, you know what it's all about? It's all about shepherding, raising, leading, training up, and releasing people. It's all geared to equip people. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter necessarily, uh, you know, how you, mix it, how you mix it up so long as the, the cake tastes good and it benefits the people that eat it, and it's in God's divine order. As long as it's got God's ingredients in it, then I think it's fine. You could probably have a little bit more flour or a little bit more sugar or a little less vanilla or whatever, and it would be fine so long as it's got, got so long as it has God's mix in it. Does that make sense? Amen. That's a little bit of Kentology, but praise the Lord. So here you go. Uh, Ephesians 2.19, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. So he's talking about the church. Verse 20, 
And it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What's the foundation of the church, of the household of God? It's the apostles and the prophets. Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. I just bring these things out to make us not just try to say, this is how it's going to be, but just really like, Let's think about this. Let's pray about this. Let's ask the Lord about this. Let's ask the Lord for increase in this. You know that your prayer makes a difference. You praying makes a difference in what happens in the earth, in what happens in the church, in what happens in the kingdom of God. And whenever I see something that's not implemented, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an order person. I, I'm fine with, with flowing. I'm fine with having uh, a short service, a long service, Whatever, I'm fine with all that stuff, but I like, I like God's divine order in things because God's divine order brings God's divine blessing. It brings his favor. It brings his increase. It brings growth. It brings change. It brings health. It brings everything that we need. And when I see that the cornerstone of the church is built on apostles and prophets and then I see an entire generation of people in the church that call themselves uh, children of God, and they are children of God that say they belong to the church and they do belong to the church that don't know anything concerning apostles and prophets, I think we have a problem. How can we have continued, you know, there's a, there's a, I guess, an argument that could be made. People would say well, that Jesus is the one that builds this church and that men's not building the church anymore, but yet we can see that uh, apostles and prophets, it's plural, meaning it was more than just Jesus. It was apostles and prophets that, that built, and I believe, are building the church. They're building local bodies, and more than like just establishing new works, they inject things that those offices and those anointings have to offer to raise the church up to the level that God's called it to be at. I don't want to operate at a, at a, a lower level. I don't want to be deficient in, in the things that God says that we're supposed to have. I don't want to just be a natural organization coming in and praising Jesus, but never encounter, encountering him. My God, if, if there's anything that, uh, and for a long time, I didn't understand why. I, I thought I was, I, well, I did get critical, but uh, for a lot of years, I would go to church, and, and there would be, no, it was like there was no life. There was no, uh, the preaching of the word wasn't there, and I didn't even know what that was, but it was like there needs to be more, more horsepower here. And the, the worship was, it felt like it was just, it didn't go past the ceiling or it didn't go past the front row and there was no anointing on it. And I didn't know the words to describe it like I can now, but it was missing something. And I didn't want to be critical or anything, and so I didn't say anything about it. But even from a young age, God began to reveal to me that there was a divine order to things. And if you want to have the spice, I don't know about you all, but I want, I want the spice. Everybody say, I want the spice. I want the good stuff, the things that make church and make ministry flavorful. I want that. And I want, the, I want the flavor of heaven. I want when we worship to have the fragrance of heaven fill the room, not the fragrance of great music. Can you open that for me? I'll drink to that. <laughs> oh, I, uh, the pastor was making drinking references. Well, Jesus turned water into wine, so whatever you want to say about that. 
<laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. <clears throat> we, were, we were never. I'm for good music. I'm an okay musician. I love to worship the Lord. And we do the very best that we can. And I think it would be weird to not do the best you can. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But it doesn't matter if you play and you sing and you've got the bells and whistles or you don't have the bells and whistles. Do you have a heart for the Lord? And do you want your praises to go to the Lord and he inhabits your praises? Because it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And when I, when I read that, and, you know, there's a lot of, like, the Lord is in the house. And I, I agree with that. Forgive me for, I don't, I'm not trying to be cynical or anything. I just, I am a little bit, and it comes out in my preaching. So I don't, I don't mean to be that way. But, you know, there can be a lot of that stuff, and it can be like, you know, we want to honor the presence of the Lord, and that's good. But to me, when God, when God makes a habitation somewhere, it changes things. It brings change. So when we say, oh, we're, we're lifting our praises to the Lord, but then we don't change, it makes me wonder, did God fail or did we not really praise him? Praising means to boast about God in the form of song. I'm just, I'm being honest. A lot of what I've witnessed, and I have a right as ever, sorry, I have a responsibility as a minister to lovingly call things out and say, Jesus, help us grow. Because I've had to grow out of some of this stuff. I can remember leading worship before, you know, years ago, and it was a performance for me. I didn't mean for it to be, but it just was. I was just following suit with what everybody else was doing. To me, if we come together and we don't touch heaven, heaven doesn't touch us, we miss something. No condemnation, but we miss what God has for us. And so a lot of the things that, that we've seen and experienced, and we don't need to come at this with a critical mindset. We just need to come to it and go, that's, Lord, that's actually not what we're looking for. That's not what we're after. But things that I've experienced and we've seen is a lot of, like, really, really good music. And I'm not naming anybody in particular. I wouldn't do that. I don't call, I don't call people out and bash other ministries. I don't do that. I'm just looking at the thing as a whole. There's been a lot of like really like well-timed, perfect, put together, whatever. And I think when your focus is on that, can you really be focusing on the Lord? Again, there's a place for excellence, but it's not about how good the music sounds. It's about how big your heart is towards God to magnify him that makes all of the difference. This is, this is the reason why you could have uh, XYZ organization sing a song, and then you can have Bethel sing a song. And I, if you don't like Bethel or don't know who they are, then we'll pray for you. But uh, to me, I went to Bethel, so I was, uh, got spoiled. I went there one time, and I've, I've yet to actually be in another place where I've experienced the tangible presence of God like that. And they were singing some of the same songs that you'll hear other places. What's the difference? Does God love the people at Bethel more than he does other places? No. They've learned how to, how to turn their hearts and posture themselves and really make their praise all about him, really genuinely all about him.
Do they have good music? I think they're the best musicians in the, in the world, just about probably. They're incredible. But the, the anointing, the glory, that's what makes the difference. You can go to a concert and hear great music and come out completely unchanged. You could go to a church where they can't put two notes together and come out radically converted because the power of God was there. And that's what we're after. All right, praise the Lord. We're talking about fivefold ministry. Can we go back to the last slide? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to wrap this up really quick. I have a whole slide I've barely even touched, but we're going to be done this week. Um, so uh, I'm not going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for time's sake because I was talking about foundation. You can go and look that up. But uh, this, is a, this is a picture of what, you know, fivefold ministry looks like. And I think that really it's the idea of just coming to this place of humility and just lowering self. Uh, you know, that, that really causes the rest of the church to be lifted. And I think that this is what true leadership looks like. We're, we're, uh, I'm going I'm, to let a cat out of a bag here that um, I shouldn't, but I want to, and I have the microphone, so I'm just going to do it. But So we have, a, we have a 101, a 201, a 301. I have um, a goal for a 401 and a 501. And it's not because I don't have anything else to do in my life, but here's what the 401 probably is going to be. It's going to be taking people that are, uh, it could go beyond leadership, but taking definitely people in leadership and taking them into a 401. And the 401 is the purpose of this. It's to get people to understand that ministry, and I mean really to ingrain it. Because when you've been trained wrong, and let's face it, we've been trained wrong for a long time. And when you've been trained wrong, sometimes it takes a while to unlearn things that you've learned. And most of what ministry, my experience in ministry, a lot of it, has been like call your way to the top. And you, I would even hear things like, um, you know, let God promote you. But then it was, it was like there was no room for grace or growth or mistakes or growing. There was not this, this undergirding of, of promoting and, and helping raise mature and mature people up. Like that, that wasn't there. And so that is, uh, that is really supposed to be there in ministry. And so I'm going to develop this 401. And the idea behind it, and we're going to develop it, is to help people come in and to be able to self-identify with the help of others, so a combined identifying, of where they are at when it comes to how they view themselves with the Lord, but also how they view themselves with other people. Is your ministry all about coming in and saying, here I am to sing the song, here I am to pre preach the message, uh, I clean the bathrooms, look how shiny they are. <laughs> When it should be, I clean the bathrooms. I don't care if anybody knows, but when they go in there, they're going to be blessed when they go to the bathroom, whatever. When I stand up to minister, I don't care if I get one applause so much as Jesus gets all the glory and the people get blessed from hearing the word of the Lord. If I sing off key when I sing the, whole, the song the whole time, so long as the people are able to lift up their voice and declare the Lord is God and, and praise him and, ador and give adoration to him, that's the only thing I'm worried about. See, ministry is about not about coming in to, 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 to just give and do because you have something, but it's about taking what you have so it's a blessing to other people and your identity isn't wrapped up in what you do. It's in him. And the only reason we have a gifting is just to be a blessing to other people. 
That's the reason we ha- it's it's not for any any self-promotion. It's not for, oh my gosh, this makes me feel so good when I do it. I mean, it's fine if you do feel good, but it's not about that. And so there's this shift that has to happen in people when they step into, and really it's this isn't just for leaders, although honestly, everybody's a leader on some level. Everybody is a leader on some level. Uh, but this really does apply to everybody that when you come in to do something, Have you walked into that situation with a here I am spirit or a there you are spirit? Have you walked into that thing figuring out how can I bless other people? Or are you going into it going, this is my opportunity to show the pastor how great I really am? I just, forgive me for judging everybody else by me, but I know how I walked for a lot of years. I was looking for someone to look at me. I was looking to be noticed. I was looking for someone to be like, boom, there's my guy. (laughs) Yeah. We've been looking for you, Kent. You got the goods. You got, you got it going on. Like that's, those are the things that our flesh wants to hear. And after enough years of not hearing that, I'm like, you know what, Lord? And still flesh will try to creep up sometimes. But after enough years of not hearing it I, and, and, and really finding out that it's not all that important, it's not important at all, I'm just like, Lord, I'm here. I'm your servant. And do with me as you please. And I pray that the people get blessed and your name be glorified. That's what, minist- that's what ministry is about. That's what five-fold ministry is all about. The higher you go, the lower you go. And, and the, this account in, uh, in Mark uh, chapter 9, we won't go there. Um, actually, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, we're going to talk about servanthood for just one moment, and we're going to look at what an apostle really is biblically. But in the Mark's account there, Mark chapter 9, 33 through 35, that's where they were, uh, they were walking, and they were comparing, like, who's going to be the greatest? And, you know, most people don't talk like this. Now, I've been in some circles where I was like, I can't actually believe you're saying this. Most people just think this way, but they don't vocalize it. But I've heard people actually talk like that. But a lot of people, you know, there's like this big comparison thing that happens in churches. And you know why? It's because we've lost the supernatural heavenly perspective. And we look at things from a natural organization, a natural perspective. We have the church trying to look like the world. The, the world is a dog-eat-dog world. It's all about getting your own and calling your way to the top. And then we have the same principles, the same truths, the same realities, the same heart, and the same uh, devilish anointing that's been brought into the church that's caused people to have to call their way to the top. Instead of having the ones at the top coming down and saying, how can I promote you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I love you? What can I do for you? The kingdom of God is completely opposite. And the church has been operating wrong for so long. That instead of people having naturally having a bent to serve one another, they have a bent to try to figure out how they are going to get their ministry, how they are going to have their time on the microphone, how they're going to have their time in the limelight, how they are going to get theirs. And no wonder there's so much division and fracture and disunity and discord, and the comparison that takes place destroys people. And it's a dog-eat-dog church. It's because there's no honor in the house. Last time I checked, all of the, the, the people 
that were coming into the church and Paul corrected them. I'm actually going to go and teach on this here very soon, next week or the week after. But they came into the church and uh, they were coming in for the Lord's Supper. But Paul said, you're not coming in for the Lord's Supper. He said, there's people coming in and you're saying, oh, we're coming together in the name of the Lord. And those of you that have food to eat, you're coming in and you're making sure you're getting your bellies full, but you're not worried about anybody else. The ones that don't have anything to eat. He said, you've not come together for the better. You've actually come together for the worse. What was he saying? There's no honor. There's no love there. There's no preferring other people there. You want to know what ministry is about? That's what ministry is about. How can you prefer people any more than what Jesus did? Yet the enemy has warped the church's mind. You know, the church has a mind to it. It thinks as a whole, even locally, but as a, as a whole, the universal church has a way that it thinks. And you know what it needs to do? It needs to forsake the world's thinking. It needs to forsake the world system, and it truly needs to take on the mind of Christ. Because the word says that we have the mind of Christ, which means that we have within us the capacity to know how God thinks, to know what the Spirit is saying. What was going on inside the spirit of Jesus when he went to the cross? His arms weren't spread out on the cross, giving glory to unto himself. It was to give glory unto the Father and to save and serve humanity. Everything about our ministry, everything about our walk, our talk, everything about us is supposed to scream, I love you and I will do anything for you. Truthfully, Truth be told, there were two things that kept me in ministry for a lot of years, and it was not my desire to want to stand in front of people and talk. <laughs> I, Liz can tell you, week after week, Sunday nights, uh, Mondays, it was, it was hell on my mind because I, I didn't know how to do warfare uh, against the enemy and the thoughts that would come and stuff. And I was, it was all about me and everything. <laughs> Jeez, the stuff you walk through. But um, where was I going with that? Anytime I look at you, I get so distracted. Just carried away. Um, anyways, y'all pray for me because by the time Sunday night comes, whew, it's a lot. This is an adjustment for me. And uh, my brain wants to shut down sometimes, but no in Jesus' name. Uh, hallelujah. But the couple things that kept me in ministry were... My, my reverential fear of the Lord and the fact that he called me. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm not really willing, but I will obey you. <laughs> uh, and also my love for people. I'll continue serving them, Lord. I don't really want to, but I will continue doing it. But when I got past the unwillingness and combined it with the obedience, the Bible says the willing and the obedient will eat the fruit of the land. We're eating some good fruit. Um, let's talk about what it looks like to be an apostle, and then we're going to be done here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 9 through 16. And I, I first heard this from a man named Derek Prince, and um, he, uh, I think he probably was an apostle. He was, like a, he was like a doctrinal apostle and a deliverance apostle. He had a great deliverance ministry, but that man could teach the word and teach Bible doctrine. Incredible man of God he was. And he's gone on to be to be with the Lord. And um, he, I heard him minister on this, and he would have um, younger ministers come and say, 
Brother Derek, I believe I'm called to be an apostle. And it was like this arrogance there, like, I'm somebody special. And so he would take them to this verse. And so let's pull out 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 16. And, and I'm going to read this, and you can follow along. It says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled. We bless, being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scoring, I think is how you say that word, the off-scoring of all things until now. So... Anybody want to sign up to be an apostle? <laughs> and, and, and I got to say, I can't really relate to a lot of this. I can relate on this level that apostles are always meant to get a hold of something, get revelation from heaven, and we are going for it. And sometimes people will look at you like you got two heads, oftentimes. Uh, but, and so I've had a lot of conversations with Liz. I'm like, what, what am I doing? Did I, did I miss it, you know, with different things and different things that have happened in services and, and whatever. And so there's somebody always has to pioneer something. If people don't pioneer, not, nothing new and fresh ever gets done. I thank God for people that pioneer building things in the natural, but certainly building things in the spirit. Hallelujah. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.